On this episode of Fish's Call Sheet, legendary director, a two-time Emmy Award winner, but I know her more as a mentor and an amazing friend, the multi-talented director, Gail Mancuso, is joining us. Hi, Gail. Hi, Michael. How are you? I'm good. I, I'm so thankful that you're doing this. I have so many questions. I want to get into directing stuff. I want to talk about your career. I'm just so excited. I feel like I've gotten this front row seat to watch a large portion of your career. And I'm so thankful. Um, I'm thankful every time we get to work together, you know, this year in particular, we got to do most of the episodes of the Connors. I know. And it, I'm so grateful too. Yeah. I love being part, part of that show. It's family. There are special jobs, special things that come along over the course of your life. As we dive into your career, it will kind of make more sense when we say this, but it's coming full circle. And, you know, I know Jody Hahn also kind of said that was coming full circle, coming back to do the show. But there's something really special for all of us to get to watch all of the growth and all of the, just the leadership, the skill, technical prowess, but you never lost that same fun personality and heart. Thank you. Thank you. So now, as a director, what is it that you think is the thing that most people either anticipate about directing that's not quite the case or the thing that you wish people knew more of? Oh, you're hitting me with a, with a really good question. Right at the tippy, tippy top. I thought you were going to ease Well, you know, um, directing is, it takes shape differently on different projects. You know, like um, it's when you're a director of a feature film, it's much different than being a director of a multicam or a single camera show or directing a, a pilot. And I say that in, in a sense that, you know, when you're doing like a pilot or feature, like you're totally shaping, you're in from the ground floor, you're helping develop it. And it's a, it's a huge job and, and you're, you're basically you know, I, I don't think a lot of people realize how global that job is from the development of the script to, uh, to the casting, to set design locations and, you know, just, just really everything and rehearsals and, uh, you know, production and post-production that goes on and on and on and on and on. <laughs> and, you know, on a television show, it's a little different if you're an episodic director and if you're a guest director, you know, like the show may have, like, I think the counters, you know, they rotate directors. So they have four or five directors. I'm just going to say, you know, off the top of my head. So then the job is the director is really to keep that engine running and keeping that, the locomotive, like running in the same direction that it's been going in and not mess it up. <laughs> You know, the Connors, the worst thing you could do is, 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 to, is to do something completely out of school and, and, and make a mess of things. So it's really running great uh, due to the amazing cast and the amazing writing and the amazing producing that's going on, this, on uh, with that show. And, and so as a director, when I come in, I'm just like, okay, don't let me mess this up. I just want to help. And, you know, like I read the script and see if there's any kind of nuances or anything that I can bring to it and try to be as prepared as possible and then let the magic happen because the magic always happens on that show. Yeah, for me, I've had this beautiful gift of getting to shadow you and, and getting to watch you work on multiple shows and um, single camera versus multi-camera. Take us through like maybe the very beginning of the prep. 
starting with, you know, you know, you're taking this project. So do you usually start with some kind of background on the show? If it was a project you're walking into, maybe a single camera versus also a multi-cam if you could. Well, anytime I get an assignment, you know, you try to do as much homework as possible and watch as many episodes that you can if they've aired. So say, if, but if it's a first season show, you don't have much to go on. You know, you have to just read the scripts and take a look at the pilot. Um, so it kind of starts there. Well, actually, it starts with meeting the producers and, and making sure that the fit is, is going to be right. And, um, and also liking the material. I, I, I try to pick projects that, um, that I'm a fan of anyway, uh, either a fan of one of the actors or the writing or what the show is about. That makes my job so much easier because I, I love what, what they're doing. So, um, so yeah, it's like preparation of, first of all, watching or reading the scripts. And then as we get a little closer, I might get an outline from the writers or hopefully a script at some point. And then in single camera, you have, you have a prep week anywhere from three to five days and that's where you go and kind of break down the script and do your location scouts and um, meet the cast I kind of hang out on the set and get an idea of um, what the temperature is of the set and kind of acclimate to that a little bit meet everybody meet the DP who is super important and um, the AD team of course uh, I'll be assigned they usually have two teams uh, on a single camera one's is prepping with you and the other one in and will follow you through the the, the uh, production while the other ad you know will take on the next director so it's establishing that relationship with the dga team to you know you make your schedule from the scripts and stuff and then you get into the week of production and you know it's sunday night i usually get like real if it's a monday through friday <laughs> shoot sunday night i never sleep <laughs> and so, you know, wake up in the dark Monday morning and come home in the dark Monday night and <laughs> do it all over again the next day. Yeah, lo much longer hours on single camera than on um, multi-camera. You know, as a director, your role changes so much from project to project because the leadership from project to project is different and, and the tone is different. Mm -hmm. So, you know, it's changed a lot uh, in the old days, especially when you first started directing, people tried to do the majority of a show. Now I think people really kind of move around and do chunks of seasons. Right. And it's a really interesting thing because you're coming into an environment where there's a lot to go on. So that prep week is huge. And, you know, in a multi-cam world that those first couple of days are huge of getting the lay of the land. Right. That's what makes it interesting. You know, um, as a director, I mean, like I used to call, you know, just hopping around from show to show. I mean, but what's, what's fun about going from show to show is that you, you get a chance to meet a lot of different people. Yeah. And, you tr and, and certain shows are a better fit than other shows. And that's what's, it's, it's, it's great to kind of figure it out. And every show has its own set of challenges that I find very, it's, it's, very, it's, it's a lot of fun for me to try to figure out to, to problem solve. I, I'm not doing it as much as I used to do. I mean, I used to do it a lot. Uh, and now I've, I've kind of pulled back on that a little bit, but, um, but it is fun and it keeps things fresh and keeps you on your toes. And I like it a lot. And you also, it's also like, there's not a day that goes by, even on the Connors or, or, or a show that I've done for a while, that I don't learn something, honestly. Um, and I think the day that I stop learning is I'll just do something else. <laughs>
What's the best part to you of being a director? I, I think problem solving. I, I love I, I love being this problem solving, but creative problem solving. And I think that that's part of what I'm really missing a lot in this in this pandemic right now. I'm missing being with creatives. I'm missing having those conversations of story arcs and you know what is this character what is this character doing? What's the motivation and and how can we make this this bit a little bit funnier or more understand you know how does it it's like putting all the pieces together and also working with a crew is hopefully on the same page as you and and working as a unit the crew and the cast and everybody and putting to and really and, and this sounds epic but it's true i mean you are making history every every episode that's shot is historic in that it will be forever remembered for what that episode is and people will be able to watch it for years and years and years to come. So I really take it very seriously. Every, every aspect of it. I mean, I try, I try to have fun and stuff <laughs> and try to keep the, the, the set light, but, but really, you know, it is, it is every episode. I treat every episode super important because, um, because it is, even though it's comedy, I think it's, I think it's, I think it's really important. It's amazing. They live forever and you can look back and sometimes it was the beginning of someone's career or a moment that changed someone's life in some way. Right. And they're all epic in some sense. And they're all, it's the collaboration, I think is, you know, it, it's that bringing together of a bunch of people and watching their amazing skills. I, you know, that's part of what started this is I love it's all the artists who collaborate, who make one production, one episode possible. Yeah, it's crazy. Yeah, it's amazing. And I, I never get tired of it. I, I'm, you know, I, I could talk to a thousand people who all work in the same department, but their perception and their experience is a little different and how they go about it's a little different and yeah. their passion is different. And the things that, that strike them are new perspectives every time. It's amazing. Right. Well, even the, the, the pedigree that, that of the people that work in this business, you know, the crew and the, the hardworking, you know, the hours they put in, um, it's really interesting because, you know, they're, we're contract players. I mean, we, we work week to week. It's, it's, it's not like you have a steady job and your company's going to take care of you. And so most of our, our crew members are out of a job and out of a paycheck. Yeah. And, but, and I know I've had a lot of, friends that aren't in the business say like why how can how do you ever feel comfortable you know being in a situation like that knowing that your job can be taken away from you or you can lose a job in a minute it's like it, I said it just takes there's a certain adrenaline rush yeah. when you're producing helping produce a, a television show or a feature every single person involved is all in most of them I don't think would trade it for anything and that's that's the other that's the other you know, not, it's not, it's not tangible, but it's, it's just, it's just, it's there as a, as a characteristic of, of the people that we work with, which is, you know, we love the people we work with. And I think that's just part of, part of the wonderful thing about this industry. Yeah. I think that's part of the magic. It's the magic of the people who are a daring different breed. You yes. know, uh, you know, Jeremy, Jeremy called them, we're all uh, carnival workers. Some <laughs> people call us all, you know, um, performers in one sense other others I've heard say things like you know we're all pieces of the puzzle and in order to see the final picture we all have to put our piece in nice. and and all of those I think are beautiful and funny 
ways of looking at it, but it's true. It's unlike anything else. We don't know from week to week and job to job. Uh, you know, I've worked on shows where you start on Monday and the show may get canceled on Friday. And yeah. you, But this moment may still live on somewhere and this show may lead to so many other people's next step. And you just kind of have to be willing to pack up and go and follow the great journey of wherever it takes you. Right. And that, and the common denominator is that most of us have been a part of something like that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we've all had that experience. Had a show pulled out from underneath us, or uh, you know, or been let go of a show, or whatever. I mean, you know, like we all can kind of relate to the insecurity of it all, but knowing that we're gonna survive. Now, I normally ask people what's the hardest part, but would you say that's the hardest part? Is there's that you're always moving, hustling, looking for other projects? Oh, no. Okay, good. <laughs> no, um, I mean, maybe the beginning, maybe that's what it was, but I think now it's, even after all these years, I think the hardest part is always trying to do the best I can. And, and I, to this day, I have never delivered a show that I have uh, a show or anything um, that I felt 100% um, like I couldn't have done better, you know? Yeah. And I think that's what keeps bringing me back. It's like, okay, and, and learning from that. So I think that's the hardest part. I think it's the pressure that I, maybe it's the pressure I put on myself to do good. I've always admired you're a perfectionist, but most people who are perfectionists make it hard for others at times. And you never do that. You always make the set work, make the production it, it smooth. It's convenient. So no one knows how much goes into how hard you're pushing you, right. which I think is an amazing gift to push yourself so hard, but at the same time, not let it affect interactions with others. I, I feel such a gift and it's such a strength. Sweet, thank you. Yeah, I, you know, I've always admired that. Well, you're always, you're so easy, Michael. I mean, it's just you're, you're, you're you know, I mean, people should know. I mean, you, you're just, um, you're so talented, and you're such a team player, and you're also not only just a team player, but you're, you really, <laughs> you're always there. You're the person I can count on, and it's, it's been like that for years and years. And um, those times in between the between the reunion and prior to the, the original show and w when you would come and observe or hang out with me or whatever I mean you would just you're just everybody is so impressed with you I mean Kenya Barris you know and you came and hung out on Blackish mm -hmm. um, everybody is just like wow he really wants to be awesome you know and um, you're intelligent and I can go on and on but um, but it works both ways you know? thank you did you have a moment, Gail, when you knew you wanted to be in this industry? Was there a moment that you knew this is what you wanted to do, or did you kind of find your way here? Oh, I definitely uh, found my way. Um, I think I answered that right. I didn't plan for it. Let's put it that way. I didn't plan for it at all. In high school, I was a photographer. Um, I, I did a lot of photography, and uh, but in college, I studied. Um, I wanted to be a CPA. I was an economics major. <laughs> I didn't know this. I like this. Yeah. <laughs> so I'm very good with numbers um, and finances. But then I took a, um, an elective in, 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 in film and I just kind of started 
like left brain, right brain kind of stuff. And, um, and then I got a job when I first moved out to California to go to school, I got a job um, as a page, as an usher at one of the TV stations. Was that KTLA? It was KTLA, yes it was. Yeah. <laughs> you were an usher, right? Yes. And then yeah. you kind of transitioned into, um, you were PA, Mm-hmm. And I think you moved towards script supervising. Is that right? Exactly. Yes. Yeah. I was a scripty, and then uh, I was an uh, associate director, and then director. Script supervisor is a complex job. You know, I've talked a little bit with Jody Hahn about it, and a little bit with Amy. But for people who don't know or haven't seen that, your job is to keep track of kind of takes and time, and to keep track of continuity and in the old days lines and everything kind of on top of each other. I always feel like it's an everything detail job, yeah. but I always think it, le- it lends itself to, if you make that transition and you move through that job to become a director, I think it makes you aware of so many things all at the same time. I'm going to put my glass, I might, my eyes are starting to hurt. Okay. Like, I'm seeing two of you. <laughs> oh, there's only one of you. Okay. okay. Okay, that's better. Um, I thought it was like, because I'm leaning further and further back. Now I can lean forward. Okay. Well, the thing about script supervising also is that, and it's still in, in single cam, you're still on, you're still on for the lines. I mean, you still have to, you know, you're, you're, you're cueing the actors if they call for a line. Plus also, I mean, I, I, I know you went through this with, with other people that you've interviewed, but it is a very complicated job. But one of the best things about this, the job, especially in when I was doing it, um, is that, all these various directors are coming through you're right next to those directors and so you're you know you, 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 get, you get a great lesson first-hand lesson on, on, on directing and so I would like we'd be doing a scene or whatever and and the director would be giving adjustments and then I, in my head I'd be like okay what would I say and how would I articulate it and in my head I would I would like like sounded out like exactly like how I would say it, it was an amazing amazing experience it's really like a great job and a great place to be to really learn uh, learn from other directors. Now, where did you start? Where was your first main job as a script supervisor? Well, um, I worked for a commercial production company um, back in the day, and I did everything. It was uh, it was a uh, they did like these Robinsons made commercials and back in the day and um, and all these little productions and um so i was in charge of the hiring i would hire the crew i would be you know pre-production and then in production i would be script supervising i'd be doing that and then i'd take it through post doing the editing and um so that was an amazing job because uh, you know because it really opened my eyes to you know all the different jobs out there but my very first official script supervising job was on a, sh- a cable tv show called brothers back in the day it was on showtime and actually the first gay male character on a uh, character played a gay male um which i think had never been been on a on a, on a series it was back in the day and um oh god how many years ago it was a long time ago mm-hmm. so it was a really and it was super funny it was a great it was a great show that was yeah. like 1984. Is that right? Some some early 80s. That was right. It may have been before. Yeah, I think that I think that's right because I think I had um, I, right after that. I think I had um, Jr. My first son. So yeah. Did you you were script supervisor there when I met you on Roseanne? You were doing more associate directing. Correct. Yes, and somehow in between 
somebody gave me a break and I became an associate director. And in those days, everything was done in video trucks and kind of how they do live TV shows now. There's always a video truck um, is how we used to do the original Roseanne. So, yeah, and it was like that and that job for that function, associate director was like you're sort of the liaison between the director and the camera operators, you know, articulating the notes from the director to the camera operators as to what shots are when and all the shots used to be numbered. And uh, yeah, it was that, that was a fun job. And we would click or snap through them and, <laughs> and go button to button. You know, in those days, I was a kid, you know, working on Roseanne, getting to come out to the truck and watching that whole production style, I think, was a, a great gift um, to, to have started in that time period because everything was linked to the truck and it was recorded there. But you got to see kind of almost like a live news feel of like, Snap, 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 move, 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 one, four, three, jumping from camera to camera and the angles and what you were looking at. Right. And I always used to come out at some point during the live tapings. I remember that. Come, come sit in the truck and. Come up those stairs. <laughs> yep. Yep. I, and I'd stand out there waiting for the red light to go off so yeah. I could run up real quick before we did the next take because you yeah. got to get in and you got to be quiet and, and all those things. Yeah. yeah. It's amazing to watch that transition now of technology to now where you're on the floor and it's a, it's a very different setup and I think it's a little freeing now, but yeah. it, it definitely there was a, there was a speed and a skill and a pace to that that I think is a good learning thing. Yeah. And you know what else it is in, in, in multi-camera in general? I mean, it's, it's, you're always working with at least three or four cameras. And so your editing skills in your head are really really refined so when when you go from a multi-cam to a single cam it's actually a lot easier because you're it's like okay i know how i'm going to edit this so i'm going to want this setup over here and this setup over here i'm going to need this to cut with this and it, it goes much quicker i mean i've i've heard that people that start directors that start in single cam have a little harder time segueing to multi-cam because they can't quite wrap their heads around you know the multiple cameras all at once yeah, I think the transition for me when I look at it is multi-cam, everything's happening at one time. Mm -hmm. So your head kind of has to be wrapped around this whole world all at once, where single cam, you can really specify this one shot, this one area, right? So if you can adjust or cheat certain things that you can't get away with in multi-cam. Now, there are other things in single cam that are much harder, yeah. keeping track of continuity and... Um, matching personality and coverages sometimes yeah. if people aren't matched up you know that kind of stuff can be really keeping the tone i think is important right. so i think it's a different thing you're looking at right it's also like multicam really is serves serves itself well for comedy i mean yeah. especially i would say for for actors in particular because you can capture the timing and the everything at once as opposed to single cam or even though single cam usually means two cameras, but depend, depending on the style of the show or the DP or whatever, it either means two sizes on one side or sometimes you, you, can cro you cross shoot, which is a rarity. I mean, we did it on Modern Family all the time because we wanted to have that kind of fluid documentary style shooting of which the multicam actually helped a lot too. And being when I was, blocking those actors and stuff and, and, and the cameras. Um, so this served that too. But 
I think, you, you know, you don't have to do as many takes and you're also capturing the magic that's happening, um, the chemistry that's happening between the actors when it's happening and you're not, you don't have to recreate it, you know, from just because of the lighting setup, which is, is great. On Roseanne, you got your original opportunity to direct. And I love this story because it really is about knowing what you want, being assertive, and being willing to step up and voice yourself. And I think it says a lot about you. Can you tell the world kind of how that came about? Sure. Um, I don't remember the year. All I remember, it was back in the days when, like you said before, when we used to have one director for a season, I mean, and I was uh, an uh, associate director at the time. It had to be getting really near the end of this end of the season, and the director at the time, and this was very very often was the case. They they would go and do a pilot, so he was being let out. He was going away for for that particular episode, and um, I don't know what happened. I don't know. I didn't really plan it. It just was kind of weird. It just I just went up to Roseanne and I said, you know, he's leaving to uh for this episode uh to do a pilot and it's available and i'd like to direct it and she said well go ahead <laughs> and then goes the hard part right because now you have to go talk to the powers that be <laughs> and say produce oh. <laughs> i just uh had this conversation they're like what <laughs> but actually it's it's it to this day, it's one of my favorite episodes. It's uh, Becky doesn't live here anymore, and um, and I love that episode. And I, uh, you know, Lisey's character, you know, leaves home. I don't know. It was it was it was just yeah. It was it was kind of crazy. But yeah, you have to. No one's gonna guess what you want to do. You know, I always say this to you know students or anybody I'm mentoring. You know, you have to let people know what you want to do. And uh, once they know, most times they'll help you get there. And in this case, you know, Roseanne did. And it was, was, was really wonderful. Yeah, you have to be bold, I think. And it's a great message for people because if you won't take the chance on you, mm-hmm. no one else gets a chance to take a chance on you. You have to give people a chance to say yes. Sounds like an ABBA song. <laughs> <laughs> but I, I mean, it's true. And I always, it's a great reminder. And it's always something I think back about is, when the moment comes, you have to take your moment because otherwise you live your life in regret. And that's the thing I think that eats people up. So I try it. You're one of those reminders for me to be bold. And every one of those moments where I'm like, should I, you know, what? yes, because they can't say yes if you don't ask. Well, don't you feel that same kind of, I mean, like the moment you're about to walk on stage, like if you're, if you're waiting for your cue, I mean, you must have the, these moments on a daily basis. I love it. I there to me, we get so many moments of truth, uh, especially doing a live show in front of a live audience. I've always felt as an actor, I love that big moment, like doing a live show this year for me. And some of this is being an athlete after working on the show is I want the big at bat. I want the big game. I want the big moment. I was like, I'm in like, when, when do we start? Where do we sign up? The adrenaline and the opportunity pushes. And it makes it easier because I'm like, okay, let's do this moment. I want the opportunity to go do this bold, great, huge moment. And I want to be able to hit that joke and 
knowing you only had one chance at it is kind of, uh, it's a unique thing, but it's a powerful thing. And I, you know, for me, I also was like, well, I know this joke is making it in too. That's another thing. <laughs> so, you know, that's a bonus, right? I was like, that was a fantastic episode. And Jody Hahn did an amazing job directing that. episode. Yes. I talked to Jody. Uh, yeah. yeah. The crew and the crew was amazing. So Jody mentioned her opportunity this year, getting to come back and do an episode because you stepped away to go be grandma. Yeah. <laughs> and I said to her, and this is something, yeah. And I think it's amazing because I always think that this is important. What we do is so important to us. We yeah. chase a dream. And that's the other part of being willing to go from show to show and, and deal with the lack of job security, right? Is you have to love what you do. Right. And I love the fact that both you and Jody, and you know, to me, I see strong, powerful people, but strong, powerful women who always found a way to chase their career and work their way through that, but also be family yeah. anchors and you always were you're both such wonderful moms and so involved with your families and I always think it's a great reminder to people that you can chase your dream and you can reach the highest level and still maintain those values and, and your integrity and your values at home kind of do it all and I think it makes you Honestly, it just it's makes you a better person and I think a better perceived person that can, you know, it's like because I've seen the people that that are married to their jobs and 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 disregard their family. I mean, not 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 on purpose, but, you know, that aren't present. And I think you don't want to miss the big moments in life. And um, and that day, you know, it was very unexpected that that my daughter in law was was going into labor and 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 I had previously i don't know if jody told you this but i had i had checked out her schedule first and i had known <laughs> that much. and i had told her like are you still not working this week <laughs> ever the ever the planner ever the person who covers all the bases and that's again i would say that's an example of how much you prep no one anticipates having their grandchild be born early unless you're really a prepper and really a planned person who goes, okay, well, just in case, are you still available that week? <laughs> uh, yes, that was amazing. And everybody was so great about it too. So It's a beautiful thing. And family means so much. And it's one of those things that I'm always in awe of all of you getting to, it was really good for me to have all of you as guidelines and, and people to watch and watch your full perspective of life that it wasn't all encompassing because in every business there's people who their job is the only thing that defines them and that's one way of going about it and if that's what fulfills their life then that's their choice what i think is holistic and heartfelt approach and you're one of the reasons for that so i thank you for that oh. It's all you, Michael. You're the best. <laughs> now, after making the jump on Roseanne and you're a director, yeah. you started doing kind of this run of iconic television. Yeah. What would you say the next big one was? Would it be Friends? Oh, it was for sure Friends. Yeah. No doubt. And it was the next one. It literally was the next. I, I, I had to get out, get let out of some of the Roseanne episodes to, um, to do the Friends episode. 
it was amazing because I started pretty early in there. I, I may have been there in their, their second season. It wasn't their first, I don't think. It had to be their second season. Um, and so they were still kind of finding their characters and stuff too. And, and it was, again, like, like Roseanne, it was, it was just a magical show. It was, uh, it was four film cameras on, on stage. It was the first time I, I was actually on stage, like how we, how we do it now. Like back in the day, you know, we were in the booth, right. video, but that was film. So that was like a little different for me, but it, but it was great. It was, uh, I, I clicked with the cast and, um, and there were, there were many more episodes to, to follow. And then after that, I think the next, at least the one I was aware of was Dharma and Greg. Ah, uh, yeah. Yeah. Well, yes. And, um, which was amazing. And that was another really fun show, a Chuck Lorre show. And Chuck, as you know, used to be one of the writers on Roseanne. Right. So everything does come full circle in this, in our lovely little business. And, um, so I was fortunate enough to, um, or to have Chuck remember me and, and it was a really, that show was a really, another really good fit. It just, um, it was great. Okay. And then what would you say the next project after that? Well, I mean, there's a lot of, lot of like projects. I mean, I, I try not to look at my IMDb too much. because I. <laughs> You had, you needed some time. That IMDb is super impressive. So if anybody hasn't checked it out, it's long and illustrious. What was the first time you switched over to the single cam? Was that Gilmore Girls? Probably was Gilmore Girls. Who again, Amy Sherman Palladino, another Roseanne uh, alumni. In right. fact, Amy wrote my first episode. Becky doesn't live here anymore. Was written by Amy and her then partner uh, Jennifer Heath, and that was. Um, I believe it was their first network show to be um, produced full circle again. So Amy somehow took a chance on me to, um, to direct this amazing, amazing episodes of the Gilmore girls. That may have been my first real single camera for an hour, hour long episode. Um, and was wonderful because one of Amy's edicts, I mean, you know, Amy's style of writing is, is she's known for writing rapid fire dialogue. So the yeah. scripts would be super long, but every word, every and the, it, everything has to be said because it's a, you know, it's really a choreography of words, so to speak. And if you miss one thing, the, you know, one word or something, it doesn't work for her, you know, just doesn't, doesn't sound right. So so those actors on this show were amazing to remember all that dialogue. But one of the edicts that was given to me as a director from her and something that I've taken with me on all the episodes I work on, uh, all the single camera shows, is that she, says that she said, give me an, a master that works from the beginning to the end of a scene. She goes, just in case I want to use it and I don't ever want to cut out. So that meant you had to be super fluid with your blocking and your camera work. So actors would bring, you know, one, one to the other, and we'd do a lot of long, long lensy kind of stuff where they would approach the lens or we do walk and talks or whatever. And it was such a, a great lesson for me in, in learning how to um, design, you know, a, a full frame of activity that didn't need to be, that didn't need to be cut. As was, you should know, it's like, and then once you light for a master like that, then 
of course we would go in for coverage because you know you have to then the lighting becomes much easier the lighting setups aren't as as different they're not full well sometimes they're full turnarounds but but you know you, you just go you start wide and you go tighter and tighter i'm gonna steal that thank you because <laughs> i'm always learning always learning from you a <laughs> couple more projects how about community yeah nice that was a tough show i say it's a tough show because again very complex writing and again the bar was always set so high dan Harmon was the showrunner on that and he had a very distinct style and and point of view you know he had some tough episodes i mean there were some tough um i say tough just complicated but you know joe McHale, hilarious chevy chase amazing you know uh there's, there's just an amazing cast um that was a really really fun that was a really fun show the bar set really high super nervous going in you know but i was very pleased with the outcome i think people underestimate the fact of one thing about being a director especially nowadays is you're frequently the new kid right but you're the new kid who's expected to lead and have a have a vision and an understanding of the place as you walk in right and i think that's a really interesting dynamic it is and you know, an interesting example of that is um, I, I did a show called Chuck, another hour-long show. Which was, it was great because uh, it had comedy and had a lot of action. I probably hadn't done a lot of action before, so um, so it was a high, another high bar. Zach Levi, you know, was it was kind of up there, and it was just like I think they were taking definitely taking a chance on on hiring me. Sunday night comes, comes and goes. I don't sleep. Monday, <laughs> Monday morning, I'm like. Like the first one on the set as usual on the on the single camera shows I get there so super early, mostly because I yeah I live so far away I'm always worried about traffic you can relate to that. Me too. <laughs> I, I want to be there first anyway. So I'm like super nervous and like finally the DP comes and we go through the you know our first setup again and and then you know you see these people start filtering in and so Zach you know comes in with uh, you know with, uh, the the lead actress and and it. First scene up is a romantic scene, if you can believe that. <laughs> nice, easy one to get started on. Let's just knock this out. So, so you know, you do, uh, you show the scene, you rehearse the scene first with the actors, a private set usually. In this case, it was private set. And then you invite the crew to come and watch and so they can see, you know, what they need to light and all sorts of things. Um, and we've had it worked out. So as I'm about to call action on the on the on the crew rehearsal, I just see kind of like from the corner of my eye, the showrunner and the other top producer guy. And <laughs> 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 then just white white hair, you know. And no. they're like crossing their, their arms like this and just waiting to see if I had command of the set or how I was or how Zach was doing, if he was okay and all that. We rehearsed the scene. And, you know, Zach and I had a little quick conversation. I looked over the corner of my eye and those, those two guys just walked off. I never saw them again. Yep. And they was in my hand, so. You, you proved that, you know, <laughs> and I think that's it is performing, directing. You get these moments of truth over and over again. And I don't think you ever get tired of them and you don't take any of them for granted. But at the same time, they're always impactful. Like it doesn't matter how long you've been doing it or how many times you've done certain things. Like there's always that like, well, this is a different moment of truth. So this one is different. 
It's so true. It's like, um, yeah. Yeah. Another big project for you that a lot of people knew you from was 30 rock. Oh, right. God, I keep, I keep forgetting. <laughs> well, again, you've done so many things. It may sound strange to people outside our business or people who don't know, but we really do go all in on something. And then we have to move to the next thing because if you carry all of your past or everything you've done, it can start to cloud things or it becomes things, they become distractions, right? Because they're not the same. Right. Yeah. The 30 Rock was amazing because um, I was definitely in at the beginning of that. And it was a night. And I, and I love being part first season show, first few episodes. You're still figuring things out. You're still figuring out how the actors are working, how the characters are you know evolving how are the stories working are the how is the set you know if the set if only we had this wall removed you may want to remove this wall and it'll make it a lot easier to you know turn around and it was just great i i you know and uh it was all that was in new york too so which is a whole other thing is like when as a director is like when you have to travel and and be you know it sounds fancy and fun and all that but it's you know after long periods of time, I mean, it's, it, it has its good and its bad. But yeah. I love working in New York because New York, especially if you're, if you're on location in New York and you're outside, have the, I mean, New York itself is a character and the city is a character. So it's like whenever you do a scene outside, it's like, oh, you have all this other energy that's, that you can't put on the call sheet. <laughs> yeah, that you can't fake, right? And, and that's the beauty of location in general is yeah. – especially if you get someplace like New York. I mean, New York is like the the mecca of that in many ways because just the energy and the vibe of the city and all of these things, especially in a show like that where New York plays such a big part. Right. It, it's different when you go, it's one of the advantages when you go on location is you get a new infusion of energy or of a place that, like you said, it's not on the call sheet. This is, you know, it's not something you measure. It's an intangible that kind of, adds to whatever you're doing yeah and sometimes challenges you in new ways oh absolutely usually usually it's good except for uh when it's like three in the morning and you're freezing outside in the winter <laughs> yeah. talk to me a little bit about modern family okay that became another home for you in many ways okay. right i was very fortunate um again you know got on the show fairly early luckily and um and it just just kind of stuck, and uh, you know, it's it, I equate it to, you know, the experience on Roseanne. I mean, that 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 cast has been together for 10, 10 11 years. You know, I I was fortunate to do. I did the series finale. I directed the series finale, and um, that was that was tough. That was emotionally tough, and there was a lot of stuff going on, as you can imagine, in terms of uh, you know everybody knowing that this that it was ending so uh but it was fun it was it was a um you know again great writers amazing cast basically i just had to show up and <laughs> you did more than that you won two emmys for doing some amazing directing i know you're super humble and i know there's an element for you where you do it to do it each week the best of your ability and then you're always looking for something to improve on, as you said earlier. So that's kind of the way you go about it is you make the most of each experience or each opportunity. So then 
to have them singled out or to win an award like that, I know for you, that's not your objective, but it is an amazing accomplishment. Yeah, I it, it is. I am very, very honored and very grateful. And and um, yeah, it's it's definitely one of one of my 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 proudest moments. Now, as a director doing pilot, so pilot is essentially the very first episode of a show. In our world, basically, um, it's the first episode meant to sell this show to whatever network or service at this point now with streaming that's going to push it forward. And, and so you're showing everybody really what this thing is. You, you've established that someone has interest in it and that it has legitimacy as an idea, but now you have to make that idea real right. and create this world. Right. And set a tone. Yeah. So as a director, can you talk a little bit about that and about the exciting parts and, and why that's such a sought after thing? Well, because it is, it's like you're setting the look of the show, you know, it's really just so much fun to, to, to sit down and like really think about ways to make the show its own and to separate it from anything else that's on TV. And also the casting, casting a pilot is so important, as you know, (laughs) as arduous as that, that part of the process is, it's so important. It's so important to find the exact fit because you can be the best actor in the world, but you may not be right for this particular project. You know, all my actor friends, I, you know, I say like, don't get bummed out. It's, it's, you know, if you don't get a part because nothing to do with your talent. Yeah. Just, it's just the, then the, the right sh- role is right around the corner on this other show that you're going to get asked on. You know what I mean? It's like, yeah. it, it, and I tell actors because, the greatest gift for me as an actor was going to the other side of things and being with people and watching some of these things or getting to see a casting session, getting to see the conversation after, or knowing people who were casting pilots to were directors and producers, because you listen to the conversations, you're like, well, she was the best one we saw, but she doesn't fit the overall tone of this show or, you know, we'll have to keep her in mind for something else later. Right there's no knock. It's not a insult to you. You just didn't fit this. Right. For many reasons. I mean, it's, 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 um, so, but that is a very, very important part of, um, of the pilot process. And, and it's, and it, and it takes up a lot of, a lot of the time, but in the past there used to be a pilot season and, and, and now we're going to more of a year round kind of thing, which is much better because, um, because the pool of talent was always, taken up you know in that certain amount of time in the, in the spring early spring i always equate it a little bit to being a great chef right when you're when you're a director you're a great chef you come in and you make all the ingredients that are there and you have an idea what you're cooking right but for a pilot you get to shop for the groceries and you get to decide not only what are you eating right. but what's the place going to be like you almost get to design the restaurant oh yeah the whole thing the whole nine yards that's the fun. that's that's the fun that's the fun part of it you know you still have some limitations in television but in the movie world there's that opens that becomes wide open you know because of, you know the, the features are 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 so much our director's uh product you know through and through so yeah i think it's interesting people don't maybe know this you know on television essentially the showrunner or the writer creator is king 
Right. They really, and the network, but they really have control over the shape and tone of a show. Mm. In feature films, the director really has tone most of the time. You know, mm. there are a few exceptions, but for the most part, the director has that tone of what they're doing and, and what this picture ultimately is going to become. And that's a unique thing. So if you're looking from the outside as where do you want to direct, it's a different style. You know, features take a lot more time. It's a lot more chaotic schedule. There's a lot more travel. For someone who has a family, you know, multi-cam is amazing because it's probably the best schedule. Single cam or drama is more time consuming, but there's a lot of power and training and things that go there that are really advantageous. And then feature, you're going to give up a lot more time, but you get more control and there's a lot of opportunity. Right. It's fun to mix it up. Recently, you directed a feature film. And I know you've worked so heavily in the television side, especially when you had kids and, and family obligations, that was a better way to balance things. And then this is kind of, at least for somebody like me who knows you, who knows you're a dog lover, uh, a dog journey is really a passion project for you as well in a lot of ways, I think, right? Oh, absolutely. You know, the project, I wasn't looking for a project like that. I, I was looking for, um, I had read so many comedy scripts and actually I was attached to do a comedy that just wasn't quite ready yet, but it was at Amblin. Then they greenlit a dog's journey and didn't have a director and it's just the way timing and the way things were they sent me the script and you know as soon as i finished reading the script i i, I emailed the the executive at amblin and said I, I want this so bad i can't even you know and that never happens to me is like I, I get so many scripts that that aren't quite there yet or like and you always ask like where are they in the develop where are they is this finished yet is this like <laughs> right. right where where are we in this process so i have a better idea of where you think we are in this process yeah. and and even though in, in a dog journey needed work too you know but um but it spoke to me i, I was not looking for a, a, a movie like this at all so it hit me from totally from left field and yes you're right I, I i i have a lot of dogs i actually just recently lost a dog unfortunately two weeks ago yeah. and um and the movie and i you know once you the movie was very cathartic for me and still is to this day very i i, I worked through a lot of things by doing that movie and and there was it, it just was to me, I'm super proud of the movie, and um, yeah, I, I, I wouldn't have changed anything about it. There's something special in that film about a girl and her connection to a dog. I think so, so many times we see a boy and his dog. Young women coming of age to have that support structure of, of a good dog, I mean, it's, in my house, that's a big deal. You know, and I, I think that that's such an important thing that really I hadn't really seen. You don't realize how much you haven't seen sometimes until it's in front of you and you're like, yeah. Well, I think that's what attracted me to the movie because it was this the female protagonist, you know, and um, her going through life challenges and, but yet her dog is there to help her. And um, without saying what the movie's about or, you know, too much about the movie, it just, it was very relatable for to me. And I love that. I love that it, 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 it spoke to, you know, 
the girl and, and her dog. And, you know, it, it actually is taken from a book. Actually, this, the dog's journey is based on a book, you know, by uh, Bruce Cameron. And he's got a, a series of these books. And in the, in the, in the book, actually, the, the, a lot of very serious things happen to the, to the girl. And um, so we kind of took out, want to keep it PG and we want to keep it more palatable for, for, for a wider audience. And, um, but yeah, we, we, you know, I was able to put in some really cool music and (laughs) work with these amazing actresses, Abby and, and, and Kat Prescott and, Betty Gilpin, who played the mother, and Dennis Quaid, and, and Mark Helgenberger, and on and on, Josh, Josh Gad voiced. Um, it, was, it was just a great experience, you know, from pre-production all the way through post. It was great. Quite an achievement. Thank you. Quite an achievement. Thank you. There'll be more. Maybe talk a little bit, if you would, about framing. Because framing is very different from, say, a multi-camera to a single camera to doing the feature. I approach um, framing and blocking from each scene and like, what is this, what is this scene about and who is this scene about really? And kind of take it from there. You know, is this, is this, is this, is this a DJ scene? (laughs) Right. Uh, You know, and so everything kind of revolves around, you know, what story you're telling within the scene. If you're on location, framing is a whole other thing than, not a whole other thing, but I mean, if you're, if you're in New York or something, you, you, you want to see New York. <laughs> right. So you got to make sure, you know, that, that the city is framed in some way, a little bit more multicam, like little looser shots because comedy is a little looser, is more physical, you know, so you want to see what the body language and you also want to see the actors, the actors interact with each other um, as opposed to like a single camera where you're, or, you know, a show where you're, um, emoting a lot then you'd go up you know super close-ups with uh you know seeing in movies you know you're it's all about the eyes <laughs> as a director maybe can you touch on giving notes and and suggestions you have for people when giving notes i sort of have a rule that i don't i try not to give more than two two or three notes per <laughs> per take because i just think it's too much and it's just crazy the first take is like a gimme. It's like, let's get into the second take and see, you know, let's allow some time. And then third take or whatever, then, then, you know, if it's not quite going the right way or, or going or not going the way that we were hoping it to go. And sometimes notes aren't necessarily, you know, here's the thing. It's like in television, like the producers could have a lot notes, you know, a lot of the notes come from, from them. And you have to understand like, they are in a, in a writer's room and they are going over these words and these scenes over and 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 over over again. So in their head, they have a certain kind of rhythm to the way the joke should be said, or this is what, you know, so it could be something that I totally never got. And so I'm like, Oh, I'm sorry. I never even got that. Thank you for pointing that out. And so then, you know, with that in mind, I'll go and, and approach the actor and say, okay, can we try it this way? And, you know, try to be polite about it. And, or, cause sometimes it's, there's no right way of, 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 of doing a line or doing, you know, anything. It's just, it's just like an alternate. Right. It's, let's try it. It's working this way. Great. But let's try it maybe this other way mm-hmm. to see how that works. 
And it's many times, especially in multi-camera, you're getting line changes that are, that have a new joke or something in it. There's that, there's those notes too. So um, some of them I know from being on set with you both as an actor, but also shadowing is sometimes there's nothing wrong with the performance. You just want something else as another option. And, and that's one of those things too. I think people have to be open to that part of the collaborative process is let's play, let's try, let's, you know, and every once in a while you're like, okay, we went too far or, you know, totally wrong. Yeah. And a writer goes, yeah, forget I was wrong. Tell them to go back to what they were doing before. I feel like, especially multicam, like we have all that rehearsal time, you know, which is great, which, you know, Zoom camera shows you don't have the luxury of that kind of rehearsal time plus a run through a multicam. So I feel like by the time we get to actually shooting the show that we should be pretty much all in sync unless a new script came in overnight. Right. Um, but by the time the show comes, it should just be, let's do it and have fun. And like, let's try this new joke. Yeah. By that point, hopefully the only alter things that we're getting is usually either a small alteration. If we think we can tighten something or small change for time or if or a network comes to you and says that's funny but we may not be able to clear that so do you have an alternate for it just in case yes absolutely that happens all the time is there a project from your career if you could go back with what you know now is there any that you would want to go back to or do anything slightly different or try something i'd probably go back and do everything over again oh, that's beautiful <laughs> I might steal that answer. Somebody asked me that at some point, Gail. Don't you okay if I steal that answer? You can steal anything, Michael. I love you. Uh, I, I love that because that's how I feel. Yeah, it's true, right? Yeah, I, mean, I love. I love it. I and I'm okay with learning from each one, and right. I would go back and learn again, and probably learn other things too. But I want to do. I don't want to miss any of them. I just want to do them all. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Because, you know, it's, a, it's an evolving process. It's, it's, you know, I mean, a lot of years have gone by since I've done certain projects and I've learned a lot and, and, and it'd be, it would be fun to go back and, and change some things, but it's history. You can't change it. Do you have a dream project? I have a few dream projects. Um, I have one that, you know, yeah, I do. We'll just okay. Okay. <laughs> and yeah. again, it's not a comedy. It's 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 something that's um, that you wouldn't really expect from me. But um, I think that's beautiful because I think where your passion takes you, right? I think that's you know I write all the time, and yes, I think people are surprised because I write, especially feature stuff. I write way more drama or serious stuff than right. I do comedy that's just pulling from a different part of my life or a different side of my experience. And I'm very passionate about those things just because it's not what people initially may assume doesn't mean that there isn't a big passion there or that there isn't something that really resonates that I feel can resonate with others. Right. Well, and the thing is about a passion project is like, to me, half the fun is like researching it too. It's, and it's, um, and this particular project is, is would be a gigantic movie. Uh, but it is fun to research and to write dialogue and to dream. And I think dreaming and hoping and always having a goal um, is important. I think that um, it keeps you, it keeps you healthy. It keeps you, it keeps your mind going and it keeps you uh, 
keeps keeps you ticking. How do you motivate a set, Gail? You're so good at it. Do, do you come with a plan? Yeah, I think so. Uh, in my experience. Like, uh, you mean like a crew or, or just like if I walk on a set the first day? Well, I think, I, you know, I try to get to know people before, before I walk on the set, you know, on my prep week or whatever. And, um, and I will say like, before we start the day, I say, good morning, everybody. You know, I like make sure I learn as many people's names as possible um, and, and, and try to have a personal connection with as many people as I, as I can. And I think just starting the day with a, just a, just a simple good morning, how's everybody doing and, and maybe go up to everybody and, and have a little, little conversation. And then when the actors come in the same kind of thing and just kind of like, okay, you know, yeah. let's, let's relax. Let's, every, let's not be so serious and uh, let's, and let's get to work. Big final run. You ready? Okay. They're not bad. Okay. What's the first thing you look for on a call sheet? Page numbers, page count for a single camera show, yeah. Okay, what's the last thing you want to see on a call sheet? Uh, a night shoot, a call time for a night shoot. <laughs> okay, <laughs> totally understand that one. Okay. What is your favorite thing to see at craft services? Avocado. Oh, okay. So <laughs> What's the thing you hate to see at craft services? Community food, a bowl of potato chip. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'm always like, ah. <laughs> All right, Gail, how do you define success? I think success is fluid. It's, it's, um, it's accomplishing, you know, not necessarily all work related obviously success is the end all of happiness and i think it's achieving the goals that i'm putting out there for myself at that particular moment in time and keeping you know developing goals and achieving new goals and just keeping it going and if i keep achieving those goals it's successful okay, but so basically that makes me happy okay. so that's overall it's happiness so I always ask people, how are you measuring up to your definition? Pretty good. I think so. I, you astonish me consistently. Um, you always, and it makes sense, setting goals is a huge thing, and it's a huge thing for me, but always moving those goals, right? Like, like transitioning to the next one and having more things and that achieving them and doing them leads to this happiness. It leads to success because you feel good about doing them. But I know you have, I would say, monumental goals. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and, I, and I love that because I think, you know, I always tell people you, you have to dream big and shoot high because, and, and if you just set some really easy to obtain goal, that's not a huge achievement, right? right? And, and I know you're a big goal setter. Yeah, but there's nothing wrong with the little goals either. And they give you those little bits of success are great too. You know, they're, they're building blocks to, to achieving to whatever you want. Because in the end, it's like, don't you just want to be happy? <laughs> yeah. All right. What's the one thing you want on every set? Ooh, um, collaboration. Uh, everybody 
um, I can't say it in one word, but everybody moving towards the common goal, uh, the feeling of um, we're all in this together. I want to make sure that everybody knows what we're doing so that there's the communication is open. And if there's something wrong or something that I'm not aware of, I mean, there are times that maybe something is under the radar that I know nothing about. <laughs> I, I ha it hasn't been made aware of me. I want people to know that they can come up to me, crew people, actors, anybody, say, hey, I'm not comfortable with this or this is going on. So, and uh, what are we doing today? I just want like the crew, everybody knowing that this is what our day is like. And um, if we work together and we have fun and we can, we can make the day and we can, we can enjoy uh, the benefits of, of finishing the day and, and, and have, having a good time doing it. I mean, how many jobs are there out there <laughs> say you go to work and you laugh all day? I mean, it is like the best, it's the best job in the world. And I'm grateful for every day that I'm able to work. And I hope the crew feels the same way. I want everybody to be as, as happy and as grateful. And they usually, I mean, everybody I know, and, our sets are. Uh, I agree. It's. It, I love it. I love every single day of what we do. Especially, I love when I get an opportunity to work on multicam because I just feel like I get an opportunity to laugh a lot, and everything works quicker. And it and it's really built to enjoy. I think if you're doing it right. right. But as a whole, I just love being on set, and I I think what we do is magical, and I think you got to find the fun and the joy in what we do. And yes. That's, we love going to work every day. Right. <laughs> That's awesome. That's clear that when you walk on set, Mike, I'll tell you that. <laughs> I hope so. I, I, I hope that's part of what people think of when they work with me is here's a guy who comes who's professional and responsible, but is kind and happy and loves what he does and helps other people make their day easier and love what they do. Absolutely. Yeah, you are. You are definitely that guy. <laughs> okay, what's the one thing that you would eliminate from a set? Gossip. Nobody has said that, and I have been waiting. I, yeah, I think like yes, gossip because it's one of those things. Gossip is an undertone that can undermine things for no reason. Yeah, I mean, it's like, if you have a problem, why don't you just talk, talk like, let's talk it out. <laughs> yeah. yeah, let's have the conversation so that we can move forward and get back to the part where we enjoy and love what we do. I yeah. guess it sounds kind of catty, you know, that I said that. But I mean, it's true, though. I mean, it's like these, you know, if you're gossip, if you're in the corner, there's another conversation going, and then you're not present. Right. What we have to do, and that's part of our goal of being collaborative. Okay, what's the best gift you've ever gotten from working on a project? Oh, I mean, it's daily. I, I can't say one thing. I mean, it's just the the satisfaction and the joy of being able to 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 do what I want to do mm -hmm. um, daily. Yeah, daily. I, it, that's the perfect answer. I, like I said, I. It's never a tangible or a, or a thing for me. It's always, it's this. Yeah. It's, it's getting to share time with people that I love and respect and love to work with. And, you know, 
Uh, you know, I'm stealing an extra day today is essentially how I look at this with you. So, <laughs> so thanks for the extra day. It works both ways. So, okay. How do you want the people who work with you to remember you get? Work with me. Okay. Yeah. I'm still working on that. Okay. I'm still working on the legacy aspect of it. Mm -hmm. Still working on it. Don't have a final answer. Okay. I'll have a final answer, <laughs> but um, hopefully, hopefully by the time I'm done, I'll achieve everything. I think you, you build it every day. Oh, you're sweet. You know, and I, then I ask people, what is the legacy you want your loved ones to take from your life? Again, still working on it. Yeah. Honestly, it's like, I've got such, I feel like I've come a long way. Mm -hmm. Blessings. Um, but I have a long way to go. Mm -hmm. And, um, and I just would like my children and my grandchildren to be proud of me to hold up a picture of grandma. <laughs> and say, uh, that's my grandma. <laughs> In that voice. That, uh, I, that I think you do. Uh, <laughs> I think from my experience, I've never known anyone to spend time with you who didn't relish the opportunity and think to themselves, I'm glad I got to spend time with her. Oh. It's so, oh, thank you, Michael. I, I'm so thankful that you came on and that you did this and shared so much insight. Uh, I hope it was fun and enjoyable because so I much. love having you. And you so. do such a great job. You're so good at this. It's so, you're so easy to talk to. So continue, continued success, Michael. Thank you. Thank you so much for listening to this podcast, and I can't wait to share more.